Welcome to the Smarking Edition of B2B Nation, part of the Technology Advice Podcast Network. Today on the show, we have Jeremy Epstein, the VP of Marketing at Sprinkler. Thanks for joining the B2B Nation, Jeremy. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to start us off here, uh, sort of recapping 2015. What what were some of the big changes that you guys saw uh, in social at Sprinkler? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I'd say what was interesting about 2015 is how social has really kind of moved out of its own silo now and it's become mainstream and that there's a growing awareness that social is not its own thing it affects everything and so you're starting to see the way that large companies the ones that we tend to deal with are are responding to that by starting to look to connect um, the various parts of their organization say marketing and customer care with each other um, leveraging social data and trying to uh, deliver a more consistent customer experience as a result. So we're starting to see the beginnings of the business transformation that social is uh, compelling companies to, to execute starting to take shape. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know for sure. And uh, we'll get into leveraging social data here in a second. But uh, I want to first start off with uh, whether or not you think marketers today are too focused uh, on likes and follows as opposed to creating engaging conversations. Um, that's a good question. I mean, too focused? I mean, I guess that's a relative term. You know, four or five years ago, everybody was focused on that. And I think you're seeing this uh, shift uh, away from that to recognizing that Social is both a channel through which you can have a two-way communication with your uh, customers, but it's also a uh, disruptor in the sense that now the differentiator for brands is a consistent customer experience because that's what customers expect. That's what customers um, talk about it if it's great, and then they talk about it if it's not great. So, you know, uh, there are still you know, a lot of chatter about likes, followers, and things like that for sure, but it's significantly less than than where it was. So uh, I think we're past the tipping point on that. Got it. And uh, do you think, Jeremy, can a social experience be more important than a product experience? How do we sort of see uh, companies trying to leverage their social to really, uh, you know, engage with and interact with customers in a a truly powerful way, uh, in much the same way, you know, that a product could potentially uh, it's, it's a good question, and you know I love you, man, but I'm actually going to challenge the very premise of your question because uh, I don't think that you have a social experience or you have a product experience. Um, you, have a, you have an experience with the brand, and that can take multiple shapes. It can be how do you experience the brand on social channels. It can be how do you experience the brand when you use their product? How do you experience the brand when you call their call center or walk into their store or have their sales rep call you, email you, or visit you in their office? Any one of those are, are a touch point. And the touch point is when you add up all those touch points together, that becomes, excuse me, the brand experience. So, you know, the social channel people have to say, okay, how are we going to uh, ensure that the experience that Josh has with us um, on the social channels is consistent with the experience that he's having at all the other touch points and that it really uh, leaves him with the feeling that, yes, this is, this, is the, this is the brand that I'm expecting to, you know, interact with. And that's true across every touch point. So I don't think you have siloed experiences. You have one overarching experience, which is either uh, helped, hurt, or kept neutral by the various kind of components 
uh, the various touch points that make it up. So does that make sense to you? Is that sort of a newer idea, or do you think when Social First came out that it was still sort of about that experience? I don't think it's a newer idea. I mean, I think it's always been around. Like if you, you know, bought a Apple product and then you went into an Apple store, you know, you knew that that was an experience with Apple. I think what socials forced companies and, and to do is, is it's um, heightened and uh, put a magnifying glass on the potential for any one touch point to uh, disproportionately affect the perception of the brand. Because if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, now you'll take your picture of, whatever the food was or the menu or the restaurant or, I mean, the, or the restroom, I mean, and tweet it out. And then now all of a sudden now you've got a brand problem. Whereas once before it was kind of a localized to that one bathroom in that one restaurant in the middle of, you know, Colorado. Now you've got a nationwide brand problem because you just shared that and they reshared it and so on and so forth. So I think that's, that's kind of, you know, what it's done is just heightened at any moment offline or off online now has the potential to become a social, uh, you know, to be amplified by social and therefore uh, affect the brand, the, the perception of the brand. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think too, five or six years ago, maybe when social was really starting to take off, uh, at least from a business perspective, uh, you know, you could sort of be the brand that ignored those tweets. Uh, but now I think really we've gotten to a point where you can't really ignore anything. And uh, I, I flew this past weekend and Delta Assist, it's, you know, they're, they're advertising everywhere that they will respond to every single person on Twitter. And I think you're so right that it's really part about this, this overall experience. And, and it's not siloed, uh, perhaps in the same way that, that maybe, uh, you know, it was uh, when it first started. So um, I, I want to transition now into, uh, like you said, leveraging social data. So uh, how can marketers sort of use data from this overall experience on social uh, to improve and, and sort of refine their marketing strategy, Jeremy? Sure, that's a great question. And I think you're now spot on. I mean, I think what you can find out, people you know, willingly share a lot about who they are um, from via social channels. Anything from your, your Twitter, you know, pro bio, LinkedIn, to the kind of things that you, you know, share, the pictures, the tweets, the you know, the pictures you put on Pinterest, whatever it is, the videos that you like, all of these are kind of micro clues about the kinds of things that you're interested in, the kind of person you are. Now, obviously, you know, it's hard to know a million customers at a deep, intimate level. I mean, how many friends do you have, period, who you know at a deep, intimate level? But the, the key thing is every time you send that signal, that's a clue. And as a company, you have a choice to kind of ignore that clue or to leverage that clue to better serve their needs, like to know them so you can serve them, right? And so if you tend to take pictures of food a lot and cars, okay, that's a very different type of person than the kind of person who, you know, shares tweets about uh, who the new director of the, you know, American Ballet Theater is and, you know, what art is being shown at the Guggenheim this weekend, okay? Maybe there's some similarities, but different interests. And so if you know that, then you can pull that in. So let's say you're a, uh, a sports company and you follow your, your fans and you learn from them. One of them loves, you know, LeBron James. One of them loves Mia Hamm. One of them loves, you know, uh, Lionel Messi. Well, okay, you're starting to get a little clue. Now add that up a hundred times 
And you realize that not all sports fans are the exact same thing. And you can use that to offer different experiences on your website, to offer different types of content in your email nurture program, to offer different types of experiences in your events, to customize your landing page uh, pages uh, based on that, to even inform your sales reps so that they have that in those either you know, in-person or, or kind of virtual conversations or even, you know, to affect the kind of offers you make um, on a Facebook ad or a commerce page for a conversion perspective. You know, which image should you put up? If you know someone likes uh, ballet and art, you might have a different image on your kind of conversion page than if you know that somebody likes, you know, Red Bull and uh, X-Men or whatever. Those are little things, and if you see those and you can tweak that, that can actually have a measurable impact on your marketing and your, your sales uh, results. This is sort of a really exciting idea and this sort of real-time personalization based on something like a social account. And uh, this is sort of the first I'm hearing of it, you know, at least in terms of conversion and landing pages. Is, is that something that we sort of have today or are we sort of a couple years away from the point where we can really, you know, in real-time optimize something based on something like someone's social media account? Uh, I'd say yes to both. Uh, we okay. do have it today, but really very few are actually doing it. You're seeing a couple companies that, and they're not doing it across the entire journey. It's just too much right now, I think. What you're seeing is like pockets where people are saying, okay, how can I take this social data and connect it with my marketing automation system to provide more valuable email content? Or, you know, how do I use it to do retargeting on social or ads or Facebook or what have you? So like, <clears throat> those are things that you're starting to see, but you know, I think the, the recognition now is people are saying, wow, we understand that this is possible. Not only is it possible, it's necessary. And they're starting to lay, you know, the foundations for that and, and move forward in terms of, you know, testing out where, where it works. So I think four or five years from now, either it's going to be commonplace, uh, you know, with varying degrees of maturity, um, but it's going to be basically kind of non-negotiable because, your expectation as a customer now is so formed by that those ultimate experiences. I mean, think about like Uber, for example. Think about the experience that you have when you dial up the app, you push in your location, you tell them where you're going, and you see the car coming. You never take out your credit card. Like, it takes you right where you're going. You know your driver's name. You can rate them. Like, the whole thing is, like, smooth. It's like it's been – it's frictionless, right? You're just like sliding down a tube full of, you know, butter. It's that beautiful, right? Well, that's now because you that becomes the standard. You start saying, well, why can't it be like that everywhere? The idea of like calling a cab, you know, like, oh, what a pain, right? Like same thing with, you know, very <coughs> or Amazon. I mean, it's like the Amazonification of retail. It's like, oh, wait, you're telling me I have to wait more than 24 hours to get the item or in some cities more than an hour? To get it, like, come on, man, you know, that I ordered, it's there, click, I'm, it shows up, I can ship it back, it's like Zappos and Amazon, they're like free shipping, or actually Amazon doesn't do it, Zappos does, right? So those types of things, like, that's now become the standard for experiences, and, you know, you'll, you'll want to see that everywhere. So, Jeremy, what would the metric be for measuring these positive social experiences? Is there a KPI that you can really track and maintain? There's the fundamental KPIs that have been part of marketing since time immemorial, which is, you know, how many leads are you generating? What's the quality of those leads? How quickly are they converting? Like that doesn't change. Those are the business metrics. But I think now what you're seeing is as we sort of move into this new era of marketing, um, 
you have to start thinking about what are the drivers? Well, today the drivers, uh, sort of in this new world, I should say, the drivers are more like, are you getting positive word of mouth? How many advocates do you have? How active are those advocates on your behalf? What's the overall sentiment? Like, are you creating experiences that people want to consume and want to share with their networks? That's the ultimate, excuse me, driver of a lot of these um, a sort of marketing in this world where the customers are connected and, and they have the power to share. So I think you'll start seeing sort of uh, new metrics. For example, at Sprinkler, we actually have something we call the customer passion score, which is the way we measure how much value are we delivering to our customers. So it's not, hey, we're just sending emails and click-through rate. That doesn't really tell us. That's nice, but it doesn't really tell us whether people actually find value in what we're providing. So that's how we measure ourselves and, and try to determine whether, in fact, um, we're, we're being constructive in terms of the relationships that we're building with, with our customer, our community. Gotcha. And then uh, one final question, Jeremy, how can our listeners find out more about uh, you and Sprinkler? Well, that's very thoughtful of you to ask. Uh, they can find Sprinkler, sprinkler.com. That's S-P-R-I-N-K-L-R.com. No E because we have to be, you know, internet-y and all. Um, or any social channel, twitter.com slash sprinkler, uh, what have you, you can go there. And um, I am J-E-R-979 on pretty much every uh, social channel out there. So uh, long story behind that one, but um, that's, that's how you can find me, but either place. And, uh, you know, just send out a thing, and our sprinkler listening will pick it up and we'll keep track. There you go. Appreciate it. Thank you uh, so much again, Jeremy, for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Also, thank you so much to our listeners for following along. To find out more about B2B Nation, including our IT and HR edition, check out our website, technologyadvice.com. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate us and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.